0: God can use each of our lives to impact the lives of others who then can go on to do the same. So when we started this series, we started by understanding that we can see an exponential result in the lives of our families. As we sow investments of love, as we invest in those relationships, we can see an exponential return. One of the reasons I got a little choked up is this girl singing right over here a moment ago. That was my girl, my daughter. And I thought, man, praise God. If all I get in life is a daughter like that, how blessed am I? And uh, we can see exponential, okay, I'm getting messed up again, all right. It's just starting to get it back together. Uh, We can see great results even even in our families. And and last week, we entered into a two-week section. I warned you in advance that uh, we can see how our giving through God's church can do the same. And and we said we were going to talk about two types of giving that we find mentioned in the Bible. Last week, we talked about the tithe. And that's worshiping God each week by giving a tenth of what we have in worship to Him. And I want you to know I was so pleased, I was so grateful for the reception of the message that, that we saw in God's Word last week. Uh, I think some people have an, a, a, this idea of pastors that uh, they're after money and all the rest, and, and uh, I know there are some that are that way, so I can't defend across the board. I, I said last week, I think there there are some that uh, have, have taken the Word of God and Twisted it in a in a perverse way when it comes to the topic of finances But I believe with all my heart that when we honor God in that way He can take that which we give and use it in an incredible powerful Profound way and I was praying that God would use the message last week and I want you to know I sensed an uncanny boldness in my spirit. I just decided I'm not gonna tiptoe around this issue We're gonna deal with it head-on. I'm gonna do my best to share uh, share it clearly and i was just so overwhelmed and so grateful for the number of people in our church that said pastor you told us it's not a great message if it doesn't ask something great of us and i closed the sermon by inviting people to join in a tithe challenge i said let's be in for 10. 10% for 10 weeks, there was a portion of God's word that that the Lord said, prove me now. And so I said, let's put God to the test. If you're not currently tithing, do it for 10 weeks and see what God does in your life because it was God that said in for 10. And in your worship guide or in the seat back in front of you today are these uh, cards and uh, if you'd like to join us in that journey, really this is the week we're getting it kicked off. And, and uh, as I said last week, if you want to put your name on the bottom of that card and turn the little portion in, just place in the offering, I have some things I'd like to send you that I think can be an encouragement to you. But we talked about the tithe last week. And today we're going to be talking about offerings. Offerings. Now, uh, offerings are, are those things, those those gifts that we bring above a tithe and it can serve a variety of purposes we've got 70 missionaries around the world that our church supports because a lot of you like our family does we we give each week above our tithe and offerings so we can support missionaries we've had offerings to help orphanages that have had needs to help various projects Uh, i was glad today as i walked over to see people parking on the new uh, parking area back here that was the result of some people that said let's give an offering uh, to meet that need we've had Offerings over the years for buildings and for different projects, and and these are those those gifts that we bring to God above above our tithes. Now, most of you are aware that on a given Sunday we have multiple services, and uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, most of you are aware that on Sunday we use every single room in this entire building. In fact, in the next hour, we're going to have a class that even meets in the lobby of our office area. We use every square inch of this property uh, multiple times throughout throughout the day on Sunday. I'll preach three times today. We'll have a Spanish service. We'll have multiple children's services and nurseries and, and different groups. We have on Thursday night, the bulk of our of our small groups, we'll use every room uh, on this property. Six days a week we have small groups meeting because that we couldn't possibly do it all at once. And and that of necessity is why we've had to uh, come up with a schedule that will work for us. And I say all that to say this, if you're still listening, say amen. amen. We've sought to do our very best to be good stewards of that which God has given us. And I don't mean this in a boastful way. I say this to the glory of God and to the thanks of people in our church. Uh, I've never been a part of a church that did more with less than our church has done with this property that we have. We fill it up uh, over and over, and I'm grateful for that. But how many of you would understand that the day is coming when we're probably going to have to get more space if we want to reach more people? That day's coming, and and days like that are days that, that require offerings, and so it's good to plan ahead and to think about what could happen and these discussions are already being had and I'm going to want your input on ideas that you guys will have. It's good to do that and there will come a time we'll have to prepare building plans and things of this nature. But more than that today, with, without anything specific on my mind in that regard, I think it is imperative that we even just prepare our hearts. That we develop a heart that says, God, whatever it is that you need from me and will need from me, I want my heart to be all that it would be when it comes to this matter of giving in my life now if you wanted to learn about the strategy of warfare you might read the book the art of warfare if you wanted to know about leadership you, you might want to read uh, the art of leadership by max dupree and and uh, maybe if you wanted to learn about finance you could read smith's work the wealth of nations but if you really wanted to understand what the heart of giving was all about you would do very well to read 2 corinthians chapter 9 It's a passage where God inspired the Apostle Paul to teach us about the why and the what and the how when it comes to offerings. I want today to have a study that is instructive. But I also want this to be a day in which we don't just find instruction, but we find inspiration from the word of God. That God would speak to us and then breathe into us so that we may live the life that he would have us to live and uh, I believe we can be helped today if you're able I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as We read the word this morning If you are glad you're at church. Say amen. amen Man, I enjoyed the singing today I don't know that it was any different than it ordinarily is but sometimes we're a little different right and uh, it was great to hear all that today second uh, corinthians chapter 9 and uh, i'm going to begin Reading in verse 1 the bible says for us touching the ministering to the saints It is superfluous for me to write to you for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet, I, uh, yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, you may be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, uh, we that we, say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. I'm going to read on, but I remember hearing a pastor, I love hearing preached, uh, David Jeremiah was preaching one time and and he got to verse eight and and he made the statement. He said, no other verse in the Bible has more superlatives than verse number eight. Just think of the emphasis there. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always having All sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Verse 9. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplyeth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of the ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. Uh, this is a great passage that teaches us of god's heart for this matter of giving and, and there's a great statement found in here that we're going to really think about today the bible tells us of the lord that he loves a cheerful giver and uh, i want us to think on this this morning as we enter into to this passage of study our father i'm very grateful that you are a god of love and a god of purpose and we echo the words of that song, how can it be? We, we don't always get it, we don't understand it completely, but we thank you for it and we rejoice in it. Help us this morning to have hearts that are open to receive your word and we ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. One great joy in the Christian life that I've come to understand and appreciate is the recognition that in my life I'm not running a race against your life. You're not running a race against anyone else's life. The Christian life really isn't a competition, one Christian against another Christian, seeing who can go the furthest and who can go the fastest. That's not the way it's to work at all. We're all running a race against the opportunities God has given us, which are unique to us, and the gifts that God has given to us, again, which are unique to us. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that we're not to seek to compare ourselves one to another. That's a very unhealthy way to live, to judge your, your life, evaluate your life on the basis of what you see in the lives of others. By the way, how many of you understand that what you see on Facebook about someone else is not always reality about what they're going through? So sometimes it's an unfair standard that we try to hold ourselves to. And and the Bible says that's a poor way to live your life by just trying to compare yourself to others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, just a chapter over, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The Bible says it's, a, it's not a wise way to live to try to compare ourselves among other people. However, the Bible also makes the point that we would do well to learn as many good lessons as we can that can be found in the lives of other people, not for comparative purposes, but to notice a brother or sister in Christ who's excelling in an area and to be blessed by their testimony and let that be a lesson to us. I think of the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 10 and verse 24 who said, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. And so when we come together, we have an opportunity to consider one another, to provoke to love and good works. But in the the process of time, we are considering one another. And when we consider, quite often what happens is we're stirred up by the testimony of others to want to do more for the Lord. And the Apostle Paul used a story here of the church in Corinth, the recipients of this letter, that he would encourage other people with. And in verse 2, the Bible says it this way. Paul said it this way in verse 2. I boast of you to them of Macedonia. Now, I want you to get this. Paul's writing a letter to this church in Corinth, and he said, I want you to know, I'm telling your story to other people. Man, the churches in Macedonia, I'm telling them how God is working here in your testimony is useful in encouraging Christians in other places. Isn't it awesome to think that God can use one church family to encourage a church in a faraway other place? Now I know sure as we're having services here uh, there are missionaries having services around the world and due to time change some happened last night about seven last night churches in Korea started having services and on and on I could go and there are missionaries around the world that are blessed that, that are are growing and their churches are doing the work of God because people like you have been a blessing to them you can encourage people in other places through your generosity. And so Paul said to this church, hey, I've used your testimony to bless others. But Paul also had here an opportunity to allow that church in Macedonia that was encouraged, he allowed their story to be repeated to those in Corinth so that they could be encouraged too. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'm going to go back a little bit to cover a little of what has already been shared. Paul wrote this to this church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 and 2. He said, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, or he's saying here, we want you to know of the grace of God, bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. So Paul's writing here, and in this case, Paul said to the church in Corinth, look, Church in Corinth, you've been a blessing, but he said, here's an opportunity for you to learn something about generosity from this church in Macedonia. They're in a great trial of affliction, not an ordinary affliction, a great trial of affliction, but they're generous, they're liberal in their generosity for the Lord. And it's with this heart that Paul begins to Share some guidelines, if you would, for givers. And he had no problem teaching Christians the value of generosity. In fact, the word that's used in our text is the word bounty. We find that in verse 5. And bounty, it, it means to be great in generosity. And Paul was saying to this church, hey, giving is to be a part of your life. And he was so bold as to say, and this is a time that requires giving. Paul felt it was his duty as a leader to teach Christians the importance of living an exponential life. Paul was not hesitant to teach this matter of generosity. And I, too, feel a responsibility to teach our church in this area of the Christian life so that we can make the most of our opportunities together. But Paul did not just tell this church to give. He loved them enough to teach them how does it all work. How does it come together? He shared with him the why and the what and the how of giving. And really, we find in this chapter of Scripture almost a textbook on the topic of generosity in the life of a Christian. So with that in mind, let's get into this chapter. And we're going to begin by seeing first of all today, the purpose of giving. The purpose of giving. The purpose or the why was Given in his introduction to this topic in verse 1, he referred to it this way, as the ministering to the saints. Here's what Paul was saying. Guys, there's a need. There's a need. And uh, as he shared there was a need among the people of God, he wanted them to know that their generosity could meet that need. There was a very practical purpose for their offering. Now, Now look up here. Here's Paul talking to a church. He said, there's some people that have a great need. And that gives us an opportunity, through our generosity, to meet their need. But there was an even deeper and more personal reason for their giving. Paul said it this way in verse 6. If you'd look there with me, please. Paul said, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Paul here is sharing a powerful thought that is found throughout the Bible. It is the concept we refer to as the law of sowing and reaping. Let me share with you what the law of sowing and reaping means. The law of sowing and reaping means you reap what you sow. It means you reap more than you sow, and it means you reap after you sow now uh, most of of you don't live on a farm but i think we'd understand sowing is planting reaping is harvesting and i want you to imagine a kernel of corn Uh, you're not going to get a harvest an exponential increase on that one kernel until you sow it and you reap what you sow you plant corn you reap corn and you sow more than you have sown Uh, I i looked this up today i googled it it must be true it was on the internet I read the average ear of corn has about 800 kernels. On average, 16 rows around. And so you can sow a single uh, grain of corn and, and you'll reap more than one ear of corn, but just on one ear of corn, an 800-fold return. And so you reap what you sow and you reap more than you sow, but you reap after you sow. You, you have to know the joy of, of giving in faith before that exponential result comes along. And that's the word picture Paul is giving here. Paul said, as you give, you become a part of something that is much bigger than you can understand. He was saying it is exponential in its impact. Now, when we give to God through his work, we become part of a program that's larger than we can understand. We enter into an eternal building program and really, in reality, are giving to God through His work. It's not an expense. It is an investment. And that would be a massively bold statement for me to make today. But I didn't make that statement. Jesus Christ made that statement. Listen to how Jesus said it in Matthew 6. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Back in the 1930s to the 1960s, there was a radio program called the Old Fashioned Revival Hour. How many of you have even heard of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour? Good. It ended before I came along, but I remember people talking about it. And it was led by a well-known evangelist at that time, a man by the name of Charles Fuller. And, And one week he announced at the close of a broadcast, next week I'll be teaching on the topic of heaven." I'll be teaching on the topic of heaven. And and that week, he received a letter from one of his listeners. and, And I just want to read to you a little bit of what one of Charles Fuller's listeners wrote when he heard that a message was coming on the topic of heaven. He wrote this. He said, next Sunday, you are to talk about heaven. I am interested in that land because I have held a clear title to a bit of property up there for over 55 years. I did not buy it. It was given to me without money and without price, but the donor purchased it for me at tremendous sacrifice. I'm not holding it for speculation since the title's not transferable and it's not a vacant lot. For more than half a century, I've been sending materials out of the which... Uh, The great architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me which will never need to be remodeled or repaired because it will suit me perfectly, individually, and will never grow old. Now, the letter went on, but as I read that, I thought, that is someone who understands the heart of giving. They understand the exponential result. They understand the eternal ramifications. This is someone who understood the why of giving and the role of sowing and reaping in an eternal sense. The great purpose of giving is to accomplish God's work in our time and space while simultaneously investing in eternity with Jesus Christ. We see the purpose of giving. But secondly, today, I want to share with you the process of giving. The process of giving. You know, sometimes when you're teaching, you have to say, listen, this is how you don't do it. All right, this is how you don't do it. And Paul used a little bit of that here specifically as we begin looking in verse 7. Paul wrote this. He said, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. So as Paul is teaching us here the what of giving or the process of our giving, uh, he says that we need to come to the point where when it comes to giving, we refuse to accept pressure or guilt from anybody for any reason as a motivation. And, and I want to say to you that I believe uh, with a biblical foundation, I can declare if you ever come to a point where you feel pressured or guilted or manipulated into giving, red light should begin to flash and something within you should be saying, no, absolutely not. I'm to be a steward of that which God has given to me. And, and if someone is pressuring or guilting us into giving, it ceases to be giving, it begins to be taking. And there's joy in giving, but nobody likes to be taken. You see, Paul said when we give, it's between us and God. It's something he said we purpose in our heart. And there's a reason why Paul is teaching this. And as he continues, he tells us it's because God loveth a cheerful giver. And again, nobody's cheerful about being taken advantage of or pressured into something. My youngest daughter, Julie, she calls me... Uh, Throughout the week, but just about every Friday she'll call me and so we'll talk throughout the week But we almost have an appointment on Fridays and and uh, she'll call and tell me how her week was and we'll we'll go through these things And I was talking to her a couple weeks ago and uh, she said dad. I am so excited And, uh, you know, Julie, she's either excited or totally bummed out, you know, she's (laughs) a little manic in that way, you know, kind of like her dad, I guess, and dad, I'm so excited. And I was glad to hear that. I said, great. Why are you excited? She said, Sunday is me and Daniel's first special offering together. Julie got married uh, last summer and uh, she was excited. It was their first special offering as a couple. She said, dad, I've got to tell you, we prayed for three weeks. We decided we were going to pray for three weeks. God, what would you have us to give? And then we got together one night and here's Here was our plan we were going to count to three and each of us was going to say the number that we thought god wanted us to give and we decided before we did that whoever said the biggest number we were going to go with that one dad we said one two three we both said our number and we said the exact same number now i'm not recommending that to every family okay that's one way to do it that's the way they did it but i thought here's this kid and and they've got almost nothing And and they're praying for weeks on end and rejoicing and celebrating that God brought them to a place where there was an agreement in their hearts they'd purposed in their heart. And and they they were so excited to give to the work of God. Can you imagine how grateful I am as a dad to know here's a little kid that's growing up and she loves Jesus and she loves people and they're giving money they really don't have because they want to see more reach for the glory of God. It touched my heart as a dad. But here's the, the bigger point. How do you think that makes a heavenly father feel? When we look at everything in our lives and then we look at the needs in our world and say, God, through my generosity, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And I want more people to be reached for your glory. What is my problem today? Good night. Get more sleep or something. Listen, when you give, I'm telling you today, do so to please God. God. And furthermore, give by faith. In verse eight, Paul said that our God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. I'm telling you today that God can bless and honor and even provide for our giving, but that's just empty knowledge until you experience it yourselves. We have to have that heart that Paul talked about. I want a purpose in my heart to do what God would have me to do. And when it comes to the amount of our offering, Paul said, as every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Here's the idea. When, when, When a need comes up, an opportunity presents itself. We go to God in prayer and say, God, according to your grace and according to your blessings in my life, do you want me to give? And what would you have me to give? It's life not lived like this, gripping all we have. It's life like this, saying, God, it's all yours anyhow. Do you want me to put some of this over there? What do you want me to do? I heard of a pastor in the South who was preaching to his church, and he was talking about doing much for God. and and he said to his church he said if we're ever gonna reach this city we're gonna have to get on our knees and and prayer and we're gonna have to crawl on our knees to reach the lost and the church they spoke back to the pastor and they said "Uh, let it crawl pastor let it crawl and he said if we want to move forward at times we're gonna have to get up we're gonna have to walk to move forward and they said let it walk pastor let it walk and he said there'll be times when we're gonna have to run so that we can reach people and the church said let them run pastor let them run and he said if we're gonna run it's going to take money and the church said let it crawl let it crawl okay <laughs> sometimes that's our mindset our giving is not to be an emotional decision or we we'll, we will inevitably miss the mark one way or the other but when it comes to what we give consider the opportunity and the need and the provision of God and the will of God and trust God and give from hearts that are grateful to participate in his work that leads to the final thought that I'll share with you this morning I want us to see the power of giving, the power of giving. Let's look at verses 11 and 12. Paul says here, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. If you're blessed today, say amen. amen. We've been bountifully blessed. and. It causes us to thank God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the wants of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. These verses speak of the heart that rejoices in the fact that God has supplied and that he will do it again to meet the needs that we have and to meet the needs of others through our, through our generosity. You see, the power of giving is found in the heart that is overflowing with gratitude for all that god has done grateful hearts are not greedy hearts so this is the foundation of it all we're just saying god thank you for what you've done thank you for what you've done and and it's thankfulness that leads to faithfulness and and a heart of faith is going to say god and thank you that it's not all done thank you for what you've done and thank you it's not all done that there's there's more to do Years ago, there was a great missionary named Hudson Taylor. He was used incredibly of God, incredibly of God. And and in his home, he had a plaque that they say he used to love to point out to guests when they would come into his home. It was a plaque that had two Hebrew inscriptions, and each of them were one of the names of God. One of them was Ebenezer. And the other name was Jehovah Jireh, and he would point those names out, and those names have meanings. The name Ebenezer means this, the Lord has helped us. The Lord has helped us. The the name Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. And in those two names, he explained to people, uh, God's Ebenezer, he's helped, he's done it. He's provided, he's saved, he's liberated, he's broken chains, how can it be? I'm not sure, but he's the Ebenezer. I know what he has done, but he's also the Jehovah-Jireh. There are needs that we're gonna have in the future, and so I look forward in gratefulness, or, or back in gratefulness, and I look forward in faith, saying the God that has done it, he's the God that will do it again, and this is the heart God looks for when it comes to an offering. He looks for the heart that honors him for all he has done in the past, and a heart that looks to the future and faith just knowing that his work is not yet done and friends there's power in an offering there's power as we give an offering here as we've seen as we've developed various rooms and ministries our giving can touch the lives of those that already come to coastline but we know it's bigger than that our giving can touch the lives of those who've not even yet met jesus christ as we prepare for them but the greatest impact that comes in our giving is the impact that happens in our lives When we can come to the point where we understand all this stuff belongs to god he has been so very good to me and he's got much yet to do and god can allow me to participate with him in his work coastline let me tell you something today god's been really good to our church god's been really good to our church Now, when i speak of our beginning i'm getting into the territory of ancient ancient history but let me tell you i can go back about 20 years and it was god that started our church and over time he has structured it and in time he has staffed it and he has allowed us to see surges in the course of time god has been so very good to us i i remember when god provided for our first property right next door god was good then we had to build it out and he was good to us in that occasion God provided for this property. And over the course of time, we had the initial project just to get us in. Then we created more space for the kids in the multi-purpose area and and, and all that's gone on here. God has been so good to us. That's good news. I'm glad to tell you today God, yes, he, he is Ebenezer. He has been good. But he's Jehovah Jireh. Uh, he will provide. And when I tell you all that God has done, we're going to have to turn the corner and understand that the exciting news is not just the history that God has allowed us to appreciate. It's the future that by faith we are seeing in the Lord, listen, the more exciting news is that his work here, it's not done. And we have a great future in front of us that will allow us to live out in exponential faith. And listen, I hear it all the time. Christians will say of a church, we're in a good spot. We got no pressure. Everything's going good. Why would we ever want to move forward? It's so much work. We want to do that because that's the heart of God. Aren't you glad God's work didn't stop moving forward just before it got to you? And for those of us that know the Lord, we've got to realize there are others that have yet to hear. And it's our joy to see the need and see. See it as an opportunity and say, God, all I have is from you. I'm not the owner. I'm the manager. God, help me to understand your will so that I may agree with you in my heart and do that which you would have me to do. I've told our church how as Coastline was being started, Lisa and I had the privilege of of giving. As people began to come, I remember we took an offering that very first week. I I remember uh, I didn't know what to do with the offering. I didn't think of that. Now, I don't see the money. I don't touch the money. We don't even have petty cash in our offices. I've yet to find any cash I considered petty. I think it's all a pretty big deal. Uh, Listen, I I, we have every kind of safety measure uh, in check you can possibly imagine Uh, But I remember that first offering needed to be received and uh, it was there it is I had to do something with it So I took it and I had to take it to the bank and and, uh, I realized that day that Lisa and I gave all of the offering except for $20, okay, that's how it got started But in the weeks to come people began to believe in what God was doing and they began to give Uh, listen I'm saying that for some of you your spiritual Parents and grandparents in those early days, they gave tithes and they gave offerings to bless you when they had not even met you. It's wonderful. As our church was just getting off the ground, there were a few churches, other churches, that said to Lisa and I, we believe in who you are and what you're doing. And we know you stepped out in faith And they knew that we'd given all that we had But they said we want to stand behind you I'm telling you there were other churches I'm thinking of one in North Carolina And one in Tennessee And one in Georgia And several in California That said we want to send from our offerings Offerings to Coastline To help that church get started It was was through giving And what I'm saying today is this Coastline If this church means anything to you Realize that this church is the result of those before us who gave offerings so that we could come into fruition. And there comes a time in the life of every Christian where we've got to grow to the point where we want to get in the long line of those who paved the way to provide the road that we're traveling on at this moment. As we prepare for our future, it's, it's good to see it as a, as a time for us to step forward. Now, there are tangible aspects to our giving. Giving requires finances, and giving often has a type of a project, and to use the analogy I've used today, sometimes it's a building project, but at its core, giving is a matter of trust, and the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And so today, I think it'd be great if we just ask God to mold our hearts after his so that we can be the people through whom he can work to advance his cause our father thank you for this great chapter we we just we just touched the surface i know god but it's so powerful to see what you teach us about a life of generosity to you and your work